This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated podcast. I'm your host, PWI senior writer Al Castle, uh, joined this week by a fellow senior writer. There's not that many of us uh, these days. Uh, Harry Burkett. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Harry Burkett, uh, back on the show. Good to be joined uh, by Harry. Um, and also our editor in chief, Kevin McElvaney. How's it going, guys? Very good. Happy Thanksgiving to to both of you, your families, and, and everybody listening. Uh, Brian couldn't be uh, with us um, this week, but we certainly wish him a happy Thanksgiving. And we've got Kevin and Harry uh, this week because we are talking about the inaugural, the first ever PWI Tag Team 50. It is the issue uh, that just dropped. Uh, Kevin, when? This week? Last week? Last week, digitally, uh, it'll be on newsstands the 15th of December, and it'll be headed out to subscribers, of course, before that. Yeah, and not just a, a new a feature, a new list, but a new issue, right? I mean, there usually is not a, uh, what's this, the February 2021 mm-hmm. issue? So uh, Yeah, so, well, so what happened was we are now up to nine issues a year. So we would jump before from, I guess, I guess we would have a February issue normally, but it would we also had a January. So the women's 100 would normally be February and then oh, an extra one. And then, you know, uh, you had the great idea to do the tag team 50 as its own list and, and complete the, the trilogy, as you said, <laughs> and we were talking about it. And I think this was also originally your idea to make it sort of a themed issue, which we, we normally, I mean, outside of the 500 issue, which is predominantly the 500 list, we don't really do that. We don't have themed issues so much these days so i thought that would be a fun thing to do um and yeah as far as i remember that was 100 percent your idea too so i don't know what the theme was um i I happily take credit for the 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 ranking i don't know if making a whole issue of it was i think i first i heard that from from you but i really liked how it turned out i mean it's it's um uh so much fun and, and we've talked about this a few times already on the podcast uh but really uh rewarding gratifying to see wrestlers get so excited uh, about it i mean you look at the cover of the magazine and um frankly you've got wrestlers who would never otherwise be on the cover of pro wrestling uh, illustrated i think that's just a reality of being a tag team wrestler predominantly um and uh, they're they're super excited and happy about it uh, kevin you and i were talking a little bit before we started recording about some of the feedback i saw ethan page uh on on twitter super excited um, the, both members of, of FTR, uh, who we could say number one ranked in the first uh, uh, tag team 50. And we're going to hear from the members of FTR. Uh, Harry um, got to talk with them, interview them for the magazine. Um, and it's just just super cool. Harry, you, you are the elder statesman uh, of us all here. Elder. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's a nice way of saying you're old. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm on the far end of the 18 to 49 year old demographic. <laughs> uh, and, and, and you've been watching for a, a long, long time. Um, and, you know, I think people talk about sort of the, the glory days of, of tag team wrestling uh, being, I would guess, what, the, the, the mid 80s. Uh, certainly the, the days of the Rock and Roll Express and the Midnight Express and uh, the British Bulldogs, what have you. Uh, but, th- I mean, d- do you see it as as being another sort of resurgence of tag team wrestling in, in the modern era? 
I don't think we're quite there yet, but we could be on the path. Um, I've been blown away by the feedback I've, I've read online, social media regarding this issue already. Hey, you go to Wikipedia and uh, the the tag team 50 rankings are already uh, integrated with everybody's bios that's on cool. Wikipedia. Yeah. Oh, that's that's awesome. pretty cool to see. Yeah. Um, I've enjoyed the fact that some fans, some longtime readers have been posting covers of previous tag team issues. Um, I know there was one in the mid 80s PWI with the Rock and Roll Express on the cover. And they were, and that was a theme issue with the Fabulous Ones and uh, Midnight Express and other popular teams. And I think there was one previous to that inside wrestling that also had the Rock and Roll Express, Nikolai Volkov, Iron Sheik on the cover. So it kind of had that excitement. I remember 35 years ago picking up those issues where there wasn't a lot of themed issues back then. And that was exciting. And I had that similar excitement when I first saw the finished product here. Yeah, yeah. And and again, I think it's so cool that, that we get to feature them because w- one of the trade-offs I've always thought of um, being a tag team wrestler and, and choosing that is sort of like your lot in life is that you're going to sacrifice a little bit of the glory, right? So uh, it, it's it's the least of it, but like you're pretty much signing off on, on never being on the top of the pro the PWI 500 or, or anything like that. You, you hope for tag team recognition, tag team championships, a tag team of the year award. Um, but, but the reality is certainly over the last 20, 25 years, there's only been so much recognition of tag teams. I think AEW has gone a long way in, in changing that up and uh, featuring tag teams uh, more prominently. I think it's maybe, I don't know that we would have even done this issue a couple uh, years ago uh, before an AEW when you were really talking about WWE and Impact and Ring of Honor, at least here in the United States. AEW, on top of everything else that that they've done, um, I think they've, they've kind of changed the, the landscape as far as uh, appreciating and recognizing tag team wrestling. Do, do you agree, Kevin? Yeah, so I mean, one thing that that is worth mentioning um, is that you do have Kenny Omega and Bailey on the cover, and they have be, been uh, ranked number one on their respective, you know, the five hundred and the women's one hundred lists. And and I'm sure at some point Sasha Banks will be number one on the women's one hundred list. But you know, those are exceptions as far as the tag team landscape goes, because the the team of Paige and Omega, the Golden Role Models as well. These are teams that they weren't, they didn't just feel like, well, you can make the argument that at least the golden role models didn't feel like it was kind of pushed together. I mean, Omega and Page certainly became a tag team, but it felt like two, two single stars at first. Um, what I mean to say is tag team wrestling, these career tag teams, these guys that are and girls that are together for years and years and years and who decide like, like you said, that's going to be their path that they go down. That doesn't happen so much anymore. And when it does, there's a little less opportunity for glory in that. Yeah. Um, certainly, especially within WWE, you'll see, you know, big stars who are in tag teams who are pushed together into these teams, but those tend to be short-lived. Those don't tend to be these truly great tag teams. So I think this year was interesting in that you you did see two teams that were, you know, certainly to some extent, two single stars pushed together. And I mean, Bailey and Sasha are, are best friends in real life. There wasn't really a stretch there. Um, and they had history together as a team, 
but to see those teams alongside the likes of FTR and the North and gorillas of destiny and so many other teams who've been together for a long time. Uh, I mean, it's, it's an interesting landscape right now. And I, I, personally, I think as far as what's keeping it from being, a, um, the full on, you know, new golden age of tag team wrestling would be this, this commitment, uh, to tag team wrestling in WWE. I think it would WWE care a little bit more about it. Just a little bit, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and they have made some strides. I mean, you compare it to um, even five years ago, ten years ago. I mean, I I don't think it was ten years ago when the tag team title was held by uh, David Otunga and Curtis Axel. You know, I mean, those were sort of, I think, the depths of of tag team wrestling in WWE. So, um, I mean, just, just look no further back than Survivor Series this past Sunday that had a terrific match between New Day and Street Profits both yeah. top five uh, attack teams in our ranking, two very legitimate. Uh, well, top attack. 10, New Day was number eight. Did, did New Day not, not make the top five? No, they were they were number okay. eight. What happened there is that, uh, I mean, we'll go through the top 10, but yes. it, it was a, a question of inactivity more yeah. than anything else because the New Day are the, I mean, they're the legacy tag team in WWE. Yeah. So let me get the, the plugs out of the way uh, uh, real quick. If you want to, we're going to talk about the top 10 here and maybe a couple other rankings. If you want to dig into the entire uh, 50, just like with the 500, just like with uh, the women's 100, uh, don't miss this issue. And, you know, we're always calling things uh, a collector's edition, uh, but hopefully 20 and 30 years from now, there will be another uh, tag team 50 issue and there will only be one, you know, inaugural issue. This is the first time we're ever doing it. So very much a collector's edition. Go out and get it. PWI-online.com. Uh, um, you could download it right away or you can order it to have it uh, delivered to your home. Uh, if you want uh, to maximize your savings, you should subscribe, uh, as Kevin touched on. Next up is our Year in Wrestling, the Achievement Awards. Another big issue. Uh, you don't want to miss that one. Uh, so please go to PWI-online. Uh, dot com um, to subscribe. Don't want to slow things down uh, too much, uh, but real quick, let's mention uh, social media at official PWI on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, sign up for the PWI weekly newsletter put together by uh, Kevin also on our website. Pick up our shirts. We are now, I guess, officially in the holiday season. Um, I was looking at some of the shirts today. They're so much fun. We have uh, now a, a, a big range of different shirts to pick from PWI logo. We got a fun, a couple of PWI 500, um, designs uh so you get those at pro wrestling tees.com and uh what else please subscribe to the podcast we're going on i forget now six years something like that's crazy um and you can do that wherever you get your podcasts and uh please leave us a kind review um uh, all right let's uh jump into it uh i got the list in front of us uh now uh i guess we'll start at, at number one we already kind of touched on it um, FTR, I, I should, uh, and I think this was a pretty clear choice, but it wasn't always when we first started talking about this list and, and frankly, it was a little disconcerting, right? Because for, for a while, it looked like this was going to go to page and Omega. And, um, that would have caused the obvious problem that by the time the, the list came out, they had already uh, broken up. Um, so, but, you know, within the evaluation period, which I should mention, went to, was, uh, October... What's the evaluation period? September 30th to October 1st, something like that? It was, yeah, October 1st, 2019 to September 30th, 2020, which is identical to the women's 100 right, uh, period. Right. We, we were, to some extent, working on this list concurrently. So. Yep. 
and and with FTR winning the AEW title, um, that meant that within the evaluation period, they held both the WWE uh, Tag Team Championship and AEW. Um, certainly, that's a huge accomplishment. And um, you know, you, you look at their defenses. Some of the the teams they went over on, um, they've lost the title since then. But I don't think that does anything to to um, kind of hurt their case. Uh, so, uh, Harry, you got to talk to to them. Uh, again, you being sort of the, the historian of the bunch, there's co- comparisons made all the time, including by them, to some of the great tag teams of the past. How do you think FTR uh, ranks up there? Uh, I think they rank a very high. Um, of course, they compare themselves to the Brain Busters, uh, Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard. And they also compare themselves to the Midnight Express. And you definitely see that level of teamwork if not superior teamwork. And during our interview, they even hinted at the fact that they probably do have better bodies. They probably have a better skill set. They can probably move faster than either of those two teams. But those two teams were in a moment in time and pioneers at what they did. So they would never suggest that they're superior to those teams that came before. Um, They're just extremely polished and they're just seamless in the ring. Um, you know, I kind of put them in the same category as uh, Gallows and Anderson. Um, and also and some of these guys who just technical wrestlers who can uh, also entertain. And sometimes that doesn't always happen. You know, you might say that they're slightly charisma challenged. But I noted during the interview that Dax Harwood, he's really the spokesperson for the team. And uh, he kind of caught a promo there. So I was impressed by that. Yeah, yeah, they're they're definitely a throwback. I mean, that's sort of what they they've made their uh, reputations on. Uh, and in that sense, I think sort of the perfect team to be um, number one in our first uh, ranking because they they do carry so much tradition uh, with them. You, you, we talked about you know the difference between wrestlers, tag team wrestlers that set out on having a career as tag team wrestlers. And those who are just kind of uh, singles wrestlers that ended up in a tag team, um, you know, the, the story of these two is that that uh, they they did begin their careers as singles wrestlers and then kind of cross paths. I think it was actually in, in WWE developmental. They knew each other a, a little bit before that, but um, were paired together in WWE developmental. And I forget which one of them was, you know, that that, that sort of realized that that we click in a unique way. Let's pursue this. Uh, which I don't think is something that you hear that that often these days, in part because, again, everybody dreams of being the world champion, headlining WrestleMania, that kind of thing. It is kind of a unique dream to have to be a uh, uh, one half of the best tag team uh, in wrestling. But that was the goal, and um, they got there. Uh, uh, Kevin, uh, you, you happy with FTR at number one? Yeah, for sure. Um, it was, you know... There was this concern, as you said, that the number one team would be this kind of makeshift team and a list where, I mean, if you look at the criteria, you know, chemistry and it factor and other, these more intangibles that things that we, well, I wouldn't call chemistry an intangible, but uh, things that we don't necessarily consider or can't even consider in the, in the 500 due to the way it's set up, um, you know, to have a page and Omega be the number one team nonetheless i mean when they were on the verge of breaking up it was pretty clear as a matter of time and that it was probably coming sooner than later they were 
this tension was beginning to be exhibited. And I mean, same between Sasha and Bailey, who I think were also strong contenders uh, to be number one, had they remained together, had they held on to those tag belts. Um, so really that top three is solid, but FTR is the most cohesive team. They are the team with the most, at least the most consistent history behind them. Um, you could argue that Sasha and Bailey, for example, have um, almost as much history in terms of being, you know, rivals and partners, but FTR is just, I think I, in the, in my intro column uh, from the desk of, I refer to them as great dance partners for just about anybody. And I think that's what really makes them special. They can get in there with anybody, have a great match. They're great foils. I mean, they don't even necessarily like there's an implication in, in saying that, that they're heels or they're, they're the great villains for people, but they don't have to be, they can really be in any role and they'll mesh well with people. And I think that's one thing that really goes overlooked because you have all these other teams, you know, there's a, there's a reason that the young bucks just marked them as their ultimate challengers or rivals. At one point, they saw them and thought, well, we can do something special with this team, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think they're a very strong number one. What, uh, um, why do you think, uh, a Harry that it, and I, I say, I was about to say it, it didn't work out for them in WWE, but, but they held the tag team title there as well, even within the valuation period. So it's not that they were flops in WWE, but, um, it, it just felt like WWE didn't get everything out of them. Certainly they feel that way. Is it just an act that isn't really, uh, uh, made to fit in in WWE, even though it came out of WWE. That's that's the irony. I mean, this was a team that was born in the WWE system, but ultimately didn't seem like the perfect fit for WWE. I think especially there, they suffered from not having the front man. You know, the Rock and Roll Express had uh, Ricky Morton, a very charismatic person, a magnet. You know, Shawn Michaels uh, with Marty Jannetty and the Rockers. And even now you have Ethan Page in the North who... He's Mr. I'd say he's very charismatic and he's the spokesperson. Um, even though Josh Alexander is good on the mic as well, he definitely takes a backseat as far as the promos. And I think that's what they were lacking, having two guys who I don't I hate to call them bland, but not one of them came to the fore as like quote, the head of the team. And sometimes I feel like you need that. Um, you see it with the street profits, Montez Ford. You mm-hmm. would say, I would say he's the front man. You need that one one guy who's uh, the energetic, charismatic person to draw people in. I think that's the way WWE sees it. And and is is maybe um, AEW sort of overestimating their their potential? Um, um, you know, is there something to be said for WWE? Maybe being right, maybe they are a little bit bland. Uh, maybe you know. You well, Young to- Bucks has the same issue. Yeah. Um, they're they're both charismatic, but you don't see one who truly ke- comes forward from the other, who you see as a future breakout star, or you know who could sell T-shirts on their own. And I think that's what they look at in WWE. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I I'm I'm happy them in number one. I think um, they are fine representatives of, especially in a tag team issue. Uh, you know. I really feel like they they embody sort of everything that it means to be a tag team uh, in a way that uh, most of these other teams don't. So uh, congratulations uh, to them. Uh, let's move on to uh, number two. I mean, we brought them up a couple of times here uh, and I'd say it was, it was pretty close. 
Um, Kenny Omega and Hangman uh, Adam Page had a great, great run as AEW uh, Tag Team Champions. Um, were one half of uh, a match that was widely uh, considered one of the greatest tag team matches in American history um, earlier this year with the Young Bucks. Uh, and just a, a terrific run as tag team champions. Very much two singles wrestlers that came together. That tension was there from the beginning. It was kind of part of the uh, appeal. You know, some comparisons to Steve Austin and Kurt Angle, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, but also th- there, there was that chemistry in that they are, they are both part of the elite, this, this, um, stable, this faction that even predates, uh, AEW, um, Kevin, what, what did you think of the, the tag team era of, uh, Paige and Omega before they broke up? I mean, in the ring, uh, there's really no arguing It's phenomenal. Um, just some instant classics and they learned to gel as a team, even if they didn't start out as a, as a proper team. Um, the fact that they did so well, and not just in terms of winning matches, you know, we, we hear a lot, all oh, the PWI lists are kayfabe lists. This one's a little less kayfabe than some of the, the other two lists that we, we produce every year. Um, not that it doesn't acknowledge that, you know, uh, lean, lean on the, the uh, showmanship and the wins and losses and things like that. But this is this is a list where we sort of tried to take a step back and say like okay like what is it about this team that actually makes them a team and not just feel like two wrestlers smashed together. So we have some other wrestlers who held world tag team titles during this reign and were not on the list. Uh, so a, a notable example of that would be uh, Murphy and Rollins. You know, but mm-hmm. so right. they were effective as a team. They won a lot of matches they were prominently featured, but how do you put them over some of these other teams who were just really going out there and being tag teams and not just two guys who are winning matches, you know? So Paige and Omega, despite being two guys who were winning matches, learned to become a unit and learn to stand out above the rest of that division, which is no small feat. AEW's tag team division is phenomenal. Um, there's a point counterpoint in the issue where Brian Solomon and Righteous Reg debate AEW and it's not, does AEW have a great tag team division or not? It's, is it already the best in years or do they need to book it better because there's so much great talent that that's the argument. Like nobody can argue that the pieces are there. Um, And for them to go and still, you know, not feel like they were being shoved down our throats over all these established career tag teams. That's incredible for uh, two guys to get together and do that in just a span of really a few months because they very quickly became a team and then more champions and it could have fallen on its face and it didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Harry, what did you think of the, of the year that uh, the elite had page and Omega? Well, it's interesting. You know, what AEW attempted was counterintuitive. They wanted to put the Omega in tag team action, but more importantly, um, keep the young bucks away from the world tag team title. Basically out of that picture is what they effectively did. And, to really dominate their first year uh, in business. We talk about our inaugural issue to be uh, on top their inaugural year. Uh, that's very historic. Um, and I think of their great matches, SCU and uh, the Lucha Bros. I mean, uh, they really earned their spot. Uh, it made me think about what a slow turn this was. And I know WWE always loves the slow turn and that's, you know, what happened uh, this past year with 
Bailey and, and Sasha to the point you felt like they were going to turn, but then they hit the brakes because it was all going so well. Um, I, I think back to Lex Luger and Barry Windham, and they defended the were defending the WCW or the NWA World Tag Team title on TV, and that was a sudden turn. You don't see that quite as often, where Barry Windham just hauled off and uh, hit Luger with a lariat and shocked everybody there. So I suppose the slow turn is more effective during this era of episodic TV. But I would love to see the sudden snap, the sudden heel turn that nobody sees. Yeah, there was never, I think, um, that that moment, the proverbial, you know, Janetti through the barbershop window uh, a kind of thing. It, it, it was a slow burn right to the, the break. And, and even the, the break wasn't, um, again, it wasn't this sort of explosive kind of moment. It was just sort of like, I'm fed up with this and and we're done. And so I don't know if the payoff was all that satisfying, but I did like the story told throughout. And I did like that there was um, some nuance beyond kind of the cliched, um, you know, speaking of, of Janetti and, and Michaels, I was watching um, Survivor Series 1991 the other day. Uh, I watch a bunch of Survivor Series this time of year, just getting into the Thanksgiving mood. And, and there was that moment, and in, in I guess it was the last match of the night where uh, Sean was eliminated from from their team match, and just throws the fit on on Marty, uh, and he's just so upset. And it was fine; it was effective, but it was also a little cliche. And and with Paige and Omega, I like that there were moments where it it um, their bond was tested, and ultimately Adam did come to defend Omega, and you sh- they showed that there was a friendship here, and it is legitimate. Um, and it, 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 you know, with, with Paige, um, it wasn't so much suspicion or uh, a sense of betrayal as much as, um, you know, kind of a, a little bit of feeling like the odd man out, like he wasn't totally ex- part of the click, that kind of thing. So I, I think there was some, some smart storytelling, uh, here the downside was again i don't know that you ever had that moment where it exploded and now it's oh i can't wait to see page uh and and omega it just sort of kind of faded away you know anytime you have anything that involves subtlety or anything understated in pro wrestling it's precious because it doesn't yeah. happen very often yeah absolutely uh which brings us to to number three i mean definitely some parallel here is Parallel here, uh, the golden role models, uh, Bailey and Sasha Banks, similar story, uh, this kind of tension throughout the year, even when they were being dominant. Um, uh, let me let me ask Kevin, which did you like more? Put the, the, the teams aside, um, the, the story of uh, the, the team that found success and ultimately blew up, which did you enjoy more, the WWE's version of it or AEW's version of it? I prefer WWE's in this case. I did too. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I mean, you did have this big blow up. There was a bit of a twist because I think almost everybody, you know, even when we're expecting swerves all the time, thought that Sasha was eventually going to turn on Bailey. It was, it was, we were led to expect that it would have worked really well. Everybody talks about what an amazing heel Sasha is. And then, you know, Bailey works well in, as a baby face. So it made sense, but nope. Bailey ruthlessly turned on Sasha. Um, so you did have this big blow off. I mean, I only wish they could have 
somehow made that last until WrestleMania, but I mean, yeah. it's difficult and this, especially because the two of them were really carrying so much of, of the programming. You had them in the main event on all three shows a couple of weeks, you know, and then you had, you had to find a way to somehow keep them together as a team. And I mean, they, they were dominant, but they only have so many opponents to be dominant against. So, so much credit to them for being so entertaining and for that whole storyline. And I like to think of tag teams as not just a means to, a well, who's going to be the star and who's going to get the better of the breakup. I like to think of tag teams as being this longer lasting thing. So I appreciate that they did give them a nice, good run. And it wasn't, you know, I, I think there's this temptation to start sowing these seeds right away. And when they did do that, they were able to pull it back to where you believe like, okay, well, you know what? These two are selfish enough that they're, they're going to stay together because they're not doing any better. Otherwise, you know, they're both helping each other uh, really well done and very well deserved for them to be in the top three. I think I've said it before, but a couple things shuffled around this top three really could have gone in any order if things were a little bit different. Yeah. Uh, so really good. And, and I think it goes beyond them just be, I mean, one of the really interesting things about them was so so while Paige and Omega were were teaming, um, they sort of put their singles career on on hold, um, even though they they both have been top guys. And with Bailey and Sasha, they really didn't have to. I mean, they they really were able to do both. And um, you know, at, at one point they held all the titles, right? So you had uh, uh, Bailey on SmackDown with the women's title uh, there. Sasha on Raw with the the, the title there, and they had the tag team title together, and were defending the tag team titles on some pay per views. Sometimes they defend um, their own championships. They sort of did it all, and um, but also were were cohesive as a team beyond just two singles wrestlers um, put together. And um, you know, ba- Bailey talked about this in in the interview I had with her a couple months back, and she talked about how this was the run that they wanted when they first got together, when, when they created that uh, tag team championship and they were the, the first uh, to hold it, it would, you know, I think they felt that kind of the, their legs were cut out from under them in that first run. I think it was instrumental in Sasha taking that, that break from WWE. Um, and so they had something to, to prove in this run. So even if you didn't have this, this underlying tension of, of them breaking up, I think they would have had a fantastic year as a tag team. And this sounds almost counterintuitive, but having that tension, I think actually made them a better team. It made um, the storytelling better in, in their matches. Um, I, I loved kind of the the subtle one-upsmanship when one would do something, the other one would, would want to outdo them. And, um, you know, the shame of it is their, their run actually wasn't all that long. You know, I, I, I think they were only, their tag team reign was, what was it? Three months, something like that. I don't even know and, if it was that long. And their win-loss record over the period wasn't Not great. People, and people no. have pointed that out. But you know what? Sometimes it's bigger than that. This was this yeah. was a tag team that was carrying a couple of shows, arguably for a month or two, um, yeah. And during a really difficult period. And and I I should not to I, I don't want to uh, keep Harry from being able to weigh in that much longer. Yeah. Um, I I just want to mention that the women's 100 issue, which is on newsstands now, uh, has the official ballot in it. And I will say that both Sasha and Bailey are faring well in multiple categories as singles wrestlers, as tag team wrestlers. They are doing very well in the tag team category, in the feud category, and they have, you know, several votes, uh, at least for 
match of the year for their Hell in a Cell match as well. So that, I mean, that really says it for them to be able to do all that in the span of, I mean, let's be honest, Bailey had a great entire year, but them as a, as a unit, that was, that was all within the past six months or so. Yeah, I think they're the MVPs of, of WWE for, for I mean, maybe you can make a case for Roman Reigns here and late in the year, but before Roman had this breakout last few months, it really was the the Bailey and Sasha show throughout. Uh, uh, Harry, um, uh, are you as high on, on them as, as we are? Um, sometimes I, I flinched from a little bit of what I would call overacting mm-hmm. on their part, but by and large, I do believe that when you look back at 2020, you know, they came up with such an appropriate label, the, the golden role models. And I think that's what they're going to be remembered for. Because I recall, you know, for years and years, and when I would speak to young female wrestlers coming up, they all touted Miss Elizabeth as their great role model. Well, that's because she was the only one out there in, in WWE that they would have remembered. And then later on is Trish Stratus. I think you're going to have a whole generation of girls come up and become pro wrestlers later. And five, 10 years from now, they're going to say that it was Bailey and Sasha in the year 2020 that inspired them to do so. And and I think when we look back at 2020, the year of the pandemic, I think we're going to remember those two, maybe in addition to Drew McIntyre winning the WWE title at WrestleMania. Just that there's just going to be a select few images that we're going to associate with this time of no arenas or no attendance at the arenas in this weird time. Yeah, yeah. What, one thing I'd, I'd add about that is, um, I, and I've thought this a lot about their tag team, that it's a real shame that um, they didn't get to work house shows because um, because as singles wrestlers, they were so important to to their brands on television. This, that was how they were mostly featured throughout the year. But I could imagine that if you had those three, four house shows a week, you would have seen a lot more of, of the golden role models at your local uh, arena working against the Iconics or whoever. And you would have seen more of that tag team act that, that was so good. So that is one um, kind of shame of the whole thing. Uh, moving on. To me, this is one of my favorite stories of the, the, the whole list, really, is uh, number four. Uh, the North, uh, 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 you know, the reality is impact doesn't get a lot of love um, these days and it is hard to, uh, and, and I think the last couple of years under um, Anthem, they've done a, a, a lot well. Uh, they've got uh, a lot of um, baggage from the Dixie Carter era that I think they're still working uh, to unload, but even doing things really well, uh, it's been hard at times to pinpoint what they do better than everybody else does. And uh, I, I think over the last year, they featured a dominant championship tag team better than any other um, wrestling company, maybe uh, in, in the world. You know, uh, the North held the, the title for, was it a year or more than a year? I mean, it, it was, was a, 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 more than one year, the first reign. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I saw when I was putting their, their profile together that Impact actually – uh, put together a a video of all their defenses and just super impressive. I mean, they were just knocking them down one after the other, very old school and uh, just a terrific tag team act. One that, that predates impact. I mean, they, they had a, a, a run in, um, in ring of honor some years back, uh, date back to uh, the, the Ontario, I believe uh, the Ontario scene independence 
you know, similar to FTR, two guys who were kind of uh, started on their own as uh, singles wrestlers, had some some success um, on the independent scene and uh, didn't like each other uh, at first, um, you know, really kind of rubbed each other the wrong way. And then just kind of clicked, become, um, I think they would say, you know, more than partners, best friends, brothers. And uh, I think maybe more than any other team, certainly in, in the top 10, um, they they have such a great chemistry in the ring that they're almost always working um, together, right? So uh, their 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 teamwork is really a notch above, I think, a lot of these uh, teams on on the list. And there's there's such a kind of fluidity in it. It's sort of a a, a shorthand that they have um, where they're they're both always in the, the right place at the right time for each other. And it, it really stands out. Uh, I'm really happy to see the North get some love on this list. Yeah, I was really impressed by their match against uh, Ken Shamrock and uh, Sammy Callahan at Slammiversary because they were playing off the idea that Shamrock and Callahan were dysfunctional. And they definitely had two styles that didn't mesh well together. And the North just seemed like such a cohesive unit against those two. I think it that match itself just boosted them immensely in the fans' eyes as far as being a very smooth team and being competent. And, you know, talking about shorthand, oftentimes we dismiss, you know, Josh Alexander. Oh, he's the walking weapon. He's the, he's the, the power. He's the technical know-how. And the Ethan Page, he's just the big mouth. But, you know, if you watch Ethan Page, he's a very talented wrestler and uh, really holds his own. And also see some criticism. People say, well, he comes off sometimes like an actor playing a part. He's more like Easy e Eric Bischoff, that, that yeah. smarty guy yeah. that yeah. you just want to slap. But you can't say he's not entertaining. Yeah. Uh, Kevin, do you think there's a ceiling to uh, the North's act? Um, you know, wh- why has it an AEW or a WWE or, or somebody uh, picked them up, given them a look? Well, I mean, I think there's a probably a few reasons for that. One is that this was, I mean, they've been together for a while, but this was really them establishing themselves during this one-year run, plus I think it may have been 400 days, um, as champions in Impact. And got it back S- since then. It's, it's worth noting they, they lost it for a little bit. And, and then they lost it again, but, it's, but still, it's, you know, two, two, two runs. Um and you know, two during the uh, the actually, it may have been just outside of the evaluation period. Yeah, I think their second one started after the evaluation period. Yeah, but um, I think that's part of it. I think one is like, okay, now people know who they are, and then in conjunction with that, I mean, they have contracts. You know, they can't just yeah leave. They would have to be released from their contracts. I mean, Impact is, I'm sure, thrilled to have them. They've kept the, you know, it's not a company that's known for keeping titles on people for a really long time. Um, a lot of times when that happens, it's more like, you know, they don't have tapings for a while. And then, 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 <laughs> yeah. You know, that it, historically, again, that may change, but even, even this year there, there have been, there's been a little bit of like, you know, hot potato with the championships. Uh, you know, Jordan Grace had a, a nice run as knockouts champ, but it's changed hands a few times since she lost it. Um, you know, same, I mean, even if you look at the North, since they've lost the tag title, it's gone back and forth a little bit. Um, so I think part of it is being under contract. I, I, I don't know that it's a ceiling. I, I think on this list, 
yeah, that was a little bit of the case because you have AEW and WWE are much more visible television shows at this point. And I think with this being one, a new list and two, you know, situations where we've seen other promotions that aren't WWE and, and now AEW top, say the, the 500 list, you know, like when you had New Japan top it, it's because New Japan all of a sudden was this huge promotion again. And you had, you know, merchandise and hot topics and things like that. And then on top of that, you had these matches that everybody was talking about. So I think some of that is, you know, they've been limited by Impact's exposure, which is is getting better because the, the Impact, the word's getting around that the shows are great. Um, and I think you've mentioned a couple of times, you know, it's not every week, but a lot of weeks they have the best show on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's that and then, you know, needing to 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 create this buzz again. And I, I think if that happens, yeah, you could see the North be these really hot free agents in the, in the way that the Young Bucks were, you know, uh, a few years back. But you you would also need for them to have these other teams that they can get in the ring with. And, you know, the Rascals were an excellent team for them to to, you know, great dance partners for them, as I said earlier. Um, but apart from that, you did have impact does have a, its fair share of makeshift tag teams as well. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think, think that really uh, worked against them is, yeah. you know, compiling their bio that, that was, uh, the, the one thing that was clearly missing was wins over, um, the, the, you know, what do we call in the PWI 500 or, you know, highest level of competition. Yeah. yeah. And, and it, that it was missing. And it yeah. wasn't officially a, a criteria for the time, but, yeah. but it's sort of folded in. Yeah, with, with yeah. The win loss. So you know, with yeah. with the uh, the machine guns uh, coming back with Gallows and Anderson, that sure. they've gotten to work with some more prominent uh, tag yes. teams. Um, but you know, who who wouldn't want to see them against an FTR, a Young Bucks, uh, a New Day, Street Profits? Um, so as much as you know, you don't wish on on Impact that they lose one of their their better acts. <laughs> um, you do, you know, wish the best for for two. Uh, very talented wrestlers who, uh, you know, are not getting any younger either, right? I mean, these guys have been around the block already for for a while, so they're not like these, you know, young kids. So, um, but good, absolutely good on impact uh, for for feature, featuring a tag team really strongly. Uh, number five uh, is the Street Profits. Uh, they've now held the Raw Tag Team Championship for quite a while. Well, I guess now they're the SmackDown Tag Team Champions but have held championship gold in WWE for quite a while. I think early um, in the year, rightfully so, they were seen as largely kind of a comedy act, um, even though they they had done good work in um, on NXT, but they came over in this role as sort of, you know, backstage roaming reporters. Um, some of the comedy worked better than others. Yeah. But little by little, I feel like they've sort of earned their keep. And um, I think that match with New Day over the weekend certainly established that, Yes, they are, they are the real thing. Uh, uh, Harry, you, you touched on it. Montez Ford in particular, I think a lot of people see uh, something special in. Maybe that doesn't bode too well for the future of the Street Profits. Uh, and, and they're both super talented guys. But, man, every time he does that jump off the top rope, it is just – it defies uh, – it's a cliche, but it defies physics how incredibly high the guy could get up there. I mean, he definitely has uh... – the it factor. I noticed that was one of the criteria for the tag team 50. Do we have an equivalent for the 500 to the it factor? No. And, yeah. Uh, we, 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 well, we, he has the it factor. Definitely. And uh, 
I was really impressing him at a house show just before the pandemic and how hard he worked and how over he was with the crowd and how high those drop kicks were. And you combine that with the natural charisma. I agree with you. I don't see this team being together in a couple of years, but you know, it could break either way. Uh, I don't see WWE keeping them together, but maybe Montez Ford is not the one who becomes a big star. Maybe it's Angelo Dawkins. Maybe that'd be a little bit of a surprise, but it could happen. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't doubt it. I, I remember uh, a few years back when WrestleMania was in uh, the New York area, I went to an Evolve show uh, that Friday before WrestleMania, and um, they brought Dawkins in to, to headline. You know, we had this relationship with Evolve. And it was a, the, the first time I really saw kind of Dawkins in that main event spotlight as a, a, a top guy, cutting a promo, working the main event. And uh, he's got it too. I mean, it's different than, than what Ford has. Uh, but the big, burly, uh, tough guy, real credibility, really kind of smooth. Um, so it, I don't think it, it shouldn't be the case that uh, he would become the Marty Jannetty of of the the, the team. Poor Marty. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think you know you could have two really successful future single stars uh, here. Um, you know, a, l- a little bit different than what we've talked about up until now, where you've got the two single stars that are thrown together. And then you've got two members that um, would do better as a team than as single stars with street profits. It's almost the opposite. It's two wrestlers who earn a successful tag team that maybe would be better on their own. You agree, Kevin? I could see that happening. Um, and if that does happen, I hope it's a situation more like the shield where everybody yeah, as well coming out of it because too often there is that tendency for there to be a Marty Jannetty and like a, a victim, so to speak, of the tag team breaking up, and that that really would be a shame because they're both very talented. Um, but I do think that WWE is probably going to keep them together for a little while longer with them beating Kofi and Xavier Woods at Survivor Series. I mean, why do that if you're going to break them up anytime soon? Um, it, but. Of course, I'm I'm making an assumption that there's a long-term plan and there, there's not always a long-term plan, right? So um, they've been doing really well. And I think that win was really big for them um, and, you know, kind of gave them that little bit of extra, okay, they're not just winning all the matches. They really are stars. They're not, it's not just that they're faring well against other tag teams. Like they are a big deal because the New Day has essentially been the tag division. I mean, there've been some other important teams like the Usos, for example, but you know, the new day are the, the stars of the tag division and for them to lose in such a competitive match at this particular show where, you know, where there's not championships on the line. I think that says a lot about at least for now, what they want to do with the street profits. So yeah. we'll see. Let's go through the second half of the list a little bit uh, more quickly. At number six, we've got Gorillas of Destiny. Uh, another really cool story, I think. A, a team that you know probably doesn't get as much ink as maybe they should um, and have been around now for, for some time. Another interesting team in that um, started on their own as singles uh, wrestlers, even though they're brothers. Um, and it sort of uh, it took a while for them to be paired uh, as brothers. And, and once they did, uh, you know, obviously you, you've got that, that natural chemistry there. They've got a real, they're sort of a, 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 a tougher 
stronger. They're like a heavyweight Usos, you know? Um, and I, I think they're, they're terrific. What do you think of um, the work they've been doing, Harry? I have to admit, I still don't have their names quite straight. I figured out the Usos a long time ago, but uh, I get them mixed (laughs) up all the time. I remember really enjoying their match against the the Briscoe brothers last year in Chicago, Ring of Honor show. And they can obviously be stars in any promotion, headlining tag team anywhere. You know, under the right circumstances, I could see them number one in the tag team 50. I'm very high on them. Yeah, I, I I think more than than other non WWE teams, maybe any other non WWE team on this list, I'm surprised WWE hasn't gone after them because they're they're big guys. Um, they've got that that family uh, connection. The Haku lineage. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, and you know, uh, one of them was there, right? As as Camacho uh, uh, many years uh, ago. So, um, I, I think WWE would be all, all over these guys. Um, but I mean, I guess. Japan's got them locked down, and they're probably making a good living over there. And then, and then you throw in their cousin. Is it their cousin, the real tall dude? Uh, what is it? his name? Folly. Who's that again, Kevin? Bad luck, Folly. Yeah, I believe so. They they've been uh, terrific, and and yeah, happy to see them uh, do well here. Uh, at number, what are we up to now? Uh, seven. Seven. Uh, we have got the Lucha Bros. I could see this one maybe raising um some some eyebrows. Uh, but I I some folks might see their the year they had an AEW and think it maybe wasn't top ten material. Uh, but what you forget is that they have simultaneously uh, been working in uh, Mexico and have had a great run there. So, uh, Kevin, what do you think about um, the Lucha Bros? Yeah. So, I mean, that, that really seals it. it, So one part of the equation is what they did in AEW and had these incredible matches, even though of course they did not win the AEW world tag titles. However, they did win and we will call this now the world tag team championship in AAA. Uh, So that's actually a, a subtle distinction that happened in the tag team issue that we've begun referring to triple A's tag team and trios titles as world championships because that's new to me. That's first I'm learning this right here. You got to read the whole issue. Al. (laughs) (laughs) I open to my page throughout the rest. (laughs) It's not even in the column. It really, I I did try to downplay it a little bit because the last thing I want is to really have another world title debate right now. So (laughs) there'll be time for that in 2021, but 2020 it's, it's too much. Um, but yeah, they were, they were huge stars in triple a and, uh, also in AEW, they were a big deal. So it's, you know, some people wondered, you know, were they a little bit too high, but when you take in consideration, those things, again, actual brothers, uh, incredible chemistry in the ring, complimentary looks, you know, they're not always dressed exactly the same, but they, they always feel like a unit. Yeah. yeah, they really deserve that spot. I, I, I think had they at some point been able, you know, it's 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 hard to speculate, but had they also captured the AEW tag title, yeah. they, they, they could have been a top five team this year. Absolutely. Um, and do you want to add to that, uh, Harry? Well, I think their true value to AEW is the instant depth and credibility they brought to the division early yes. on. Mm-hmm. And you consider, you know, they held the MLW and PWG tag team titles. I think the crash tag team titles, it's just like a whole litany of things they've accomplished. So I'm okay with their ranking. Yeah. Uh, at, at number eight, they've come up a few times here. Uh, the new day. Um, 
Harry, have, have they crossed over? I'm sure they'd say they, uh, they have to that. Uh, I think Brian was scolding me when I brought up this uh, term uh, uh, last week. Uh, so it's good. He's not here. Are they on the Mount Rushmore of at least WWE tag teams uh, uh, for, for the run they've had over the last, whatever it's been, six, seven years? Well, absolutely. Uh, what their longest title reign was over 480 days, 483 days. That's pretty incredible. And sometimes we forget how fleeting success was way back when in the 80s. I mean, you just mentioned they've been a top team for six years. Can you imagine any team being on top of the WWF back in the 80s for six years? That'd be like from 83 to 89. You know, you're lucky to have a, a really hot six months there with, with, with the belts, and then you would move on somewhere else. So you see where they came from, um, where there was no specific push in mind, and they kind of came up with this uh, sort of like, we're part of like a, like a going to church or, you know, the amen corner and it evolved from that. And you saw where they took every single opportunity and made maximum out of it. You know, even when they have these things that I hate at the beginning of the show, where they assemble the whole roster at the entrance ramp and everybody's just standing there, you see the new day actively doing something, mm-hmm. you know, they're entertainers all the time. So I think they're Mount Rushmore material, definitely. Yeah, I saw uh, over, I didn't even know what it was for, but um, on Survivor Series, they ran that commercial where they've got their own, uh, I'm going to sound like an old man here, what do they call it, like a game pack for uh, uh, some new video game where you could play uh, as them. And it's, it's like one of these shoot 'em up games. Uh, but that's a huge deal. I mean, that these guys are just, you know, featured uh, players on some other video. And I, I think probably one of the, um, and, and this doesn't necessarily go to criteria, but they've got to be some of the highest paid um, stars in, in all of wrestling over the last six years, just off of merch. Right. I mean, these guys, you know, branding is such a big thing oh. these days in all kinds of media and uh, new day is just all over it. Uh, Al, I got to mention this is a bizarre factoid. I've got to mention it because I, there'll never be this context ever again. When did Carrie Fisher die? Was <laughs> that around 2017? That sounds around right. That time, that around Christmas ago. time. And, and then her mom died just a few days later. Well, leading up to that, she and her mom had a reality series and they would show each other's homes and, she took her mom, Debbie, into, into her house and showed her kitchen. Now, above her sink in her kitchen, she had all this African-American memorabilia, which was some was in sort of poor taste, you know, like things you wouldn't really want in your kitchen necessarily. But I found what I found interesting was they had a box of the New Day cereal. Bootios. On the shelf, the bootios. Yes. And I'm thinking, am I the only person watching this show at this moment who appreciates the magnitude of this? <laughs> that yeah. Carrie Fisher had bootios above her sink in her kitchen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're huge stars. You know, it's been an interesting year because some, uh, I don't even know, some, one, one comes to mind. Um, you know, Bruce Mitchell at the Pro Wrestling Torch has. I think giving them a hard time over the years about uh, the representation 
and um, whether they have played to some negative uh, stereotypes about um, black performers. Um, and it's been a debate over the years, but but this year, um, certainly with, with racial injustice being in the news as much as it was, um, I think that became sort of an, I don't want to say a burden, I think it's something that they gladly took on. And on, on top of being this exemplary tag team and this huge act, um, they stepped up and, and um, you know, I think represented in, in a way that was really uh, admirable. So uh, a real special year, for, I think, for, for New Day. Um, Kevin, do you, is, is it depressing at all to see Kofi back uh, in this role? I mean, look, again, all the way to the bank, uh, uh, I'm sure he, he's doing uh, a terrific, but I think, well, I guess now it's been more than that, but a little more than a year ago, he was the world heavyweight champion. Now there, there was a thought that off of that run, he'd always be kind of in that main event mix and he's not, you know, he, he is pretty much back where he was before sure. that run. Um, are you okay with that? Um, I think for now it works and I'll tell you why. Uh, one thing is that both he and Xavier Woods were out injured. They came back at the exact same moment, won the tag championship, felt like stars. Um, and the, you know, along with that, you have this seemingly this big push that Big E is about to get. Um, if Big E can go and win a world championship, I think, you know, you can't, you can't discount the importance of that. And like, just from a feel good standpoint, like two of the three members of the group now have gone and won world titles. Um, Is that to say you couldn't do something else with Kofi as a singles act? I mean, you could, but then, you know, Xavier risks being lost in the shuffle. And I think part of the beauty of that team is that they've, they've really been in it together the whole time. And that's part of why, you know, storyline wise, it's so heartbreaking to see them, split up from Big E, even if, you know, they were together at Survivor Series to have them on different brands because when one of them wins, all of them wins, if that makes sense. Yeah. All of them win. Um, and yeah, I, I think if a couple of years from now, we still haven't seen Kofi Kingston back in the main event. Did he ever even get his rematch for the world title? I No, uh, certainly not against Brock. Uh, yeah. Has he since? I don't definitely not at a pay-per-view no. i mean yeah i mean was, i yeah i hear what you're saying and, and i i largely agree and again i don't think there's any shame to being um part of the the biggest tag team act and one of the biggest acts period in wwe uh but i do wish uh kofi would float around a little bit more you know something like um you know the this triple threat they just had on raw to determine um sure. who the the champion would be why can Kofi be in something like that? At least be in the while still, you know, keeping that connection to Xavier and the tag team. Um, I would like to see him like, in the mix more, especially when you have something like what they did with Sasha and Bailey and how yeah, yeah, right. So you've got I mean, kind I, of a, granted a, there are a, fewer wrestlers in the women's division, but it's th- there's enough. You didn't need to do that. It was just a way to keep them strong and interesting. So I mean, it's it's just a matter of being creative, and I, I think there is room for it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, number nine, uh, Kabuki uh, Warriors. That that is Asuka and uh, Kairi Sane, who held the WWE Women's Tag Team Champion for yes. some period. Um, and you know, some people again, there might be uh, uh, some recency bias that why people would would disagree with them being there, thinking, "Well, Kabuki Warriors, we haven't even heard about them 
um, for a long time. But but people take for granted they they were head they headlined TLC a year ago. You know um, they mm-hmm. they were a big act. And I think uh, I wrote about this. You know the, the women's tag team championship predated them by a little bit. There were a couple of teams before them, but I think they were the first to really put that title on the map. Harry, do you agree? Yeah, I'm sorry to see the pirate princess gone. She was one of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think they were tremendously solid, terrific with a kendo stick. Um, they weren't exactly the same. I, I see Asuka has really embraced this frenetic she-monster kind of uh, persona where uh, uh, Kyrie put the sort of a smoother sheen on that. Um, but I don't know. Do you think they'll ever be a tag team again, or do you think uh, they're going in their separate directions forever? Well, well, Kyrie's not wrestling um, uh, anymore for WWE, but but isn't she still under contract to them? I mean, I I thought I read that she was sort of doing some kind of um, scout work for them in Japan. Sure, I think it's a question of if she comes back. I mean, if she returns, I think you at least have to get the band back together. Um, if she's going to step into a WWE ring again, it's it's actually, I mean, it's a shame not just the fact that the a uh, great team is not able to compete right now that we all love to see, but this is three out of the top 10 teams that are no yeah. longer, longer together. So it just tells you how fleeting and tenuous tag team wrestling can be. Um, I'm sure. You'll have that stat next year of how many of these teams broke up before yeah. the next yeah. evaluation period. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the, the thing is originally I, I had considered bringing up and, and Al and I did, you know, a lot of the back and forth about the the criteria and the initial, like the short list for this, but, you know, and, and everybody from um, the, the writing team was invited to give their picks and we, we waited all that. But I think, you know, I, I even briefly considered, we don't rank retired wrestlers in the, the 500 or the, the women's 100. Anyone who's officially done, they are not on the list, whether they, if they retired at the, after the evaluation period, but at the time of the list, they're retired, they're off. I thought about like, hey, should we consider if a tag team is broken up? But you have three of the top yeah. tier teams that wouldn't have even been considered. So they won't be considered next year unless they get back together. Yeah, they could always get back together. I guess that's the sure. rationale for not doing that. Right. Yeah, yeah. But it's sort of interesting to think, you know, how, how different this list is next year because of that, you know. Uh, for sure. Who, yeah. who rises up to fill that that void. Yep. Um, now, uh, number 10 is Rapongi 3K, Show and Yo. Uh, a, a, a great year. Uh, maybe some folks would be surprised to see them um, make uh, the top 10. They, they've also, uh, not by choice, but they, they have been a part uh, because I believe Show has been out, um, was out in the injury for a long time, and uh, Yo was going it uh, on his own for a while. Have they, have they since reunited? So they have not wrestled together in a bit. I it might actually be yo who was who's injured i i I'm, it's slipping my mind but also you had the uh pandemic shut down and yeah. new japan did not keep running shows while wwe and AEW did they they came back certainly you know before some uh some promotions did here in the states but um you know the, there was some inactivity there but also they're the predominant junior heavyweight tag team in in new japan and i mean they're one of the most fluid uh technically skilled just all any criteria on this list that you look at i mean they 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 tick all the boxes they're just a really fantastic team 
Um, and for something like this, where you know we're not necessarily, you know, it's a it's a it's a list that's ranking every every team in the world alongside each one another. We're not necessarily looking for this is the biggest tag team in the world. We're looking for a team that's prominent that does well, that is fluid, that has chemistry, and and they certainly do. Um, and this is a team that never fares well. And I, I think you specifically mentioned this when we were putting the list together, Al. That they never do great in the five hundred list because they're they right. they don't they don't win singles matches and they're not even on you know the level of of some of these other um new japan teams where i mean for example when you look at when uh evil and sonata and bushi were were a team and they were still being presented as these strong singles wrestlers even if they were predominantly competing in tag matches and Sho and yo are a unit through and through and i think that's why they have to be you know, they have to be high on this list and, and it's finally them getting some recognition for that work they've been doing this whole time. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Harry, you want anything on that? Well, uh, just thinking about how they had such big shoes to fill when, when they first came on the scene and, you know, the young bucks and others, um, they've really grown into their own and it's sad to think that if they were in WWE, they'd be buried on two or five live. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's a team that, um, you you want them to stay right where they are, right? Yeah. For their own sake. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, so don't want to go much deeper into this, but I do think we have to mention uh, number eleven because I think it is the the team that folks probably will probably get the most flack about not being in um, the the top ten, uh, and that is the Young Bucks. And you know, I I, I touched on how a, a big reason there even is this list is because of the resurgence of tag teams that AEW um, has led. And uh, I think at the forefront of that resurgence is the Young Bucks, who are executive VPs uh, at AEW. So it's not lost on us. It's not us being flippant or anything like that. But the reality is they they did not have the year that um, the 10 teams above them had, right? And I think it's important to warn, especially against recency bias here, because they are the AEW tag yes. champions now. They were not during the evaluation no, period. They were no. very actually, much a secondary team. They lost some lost a lot. Yeah. 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 And, you know, even in, a, in terms of the other criteria, their creativity, all this other, it was all baked into their year that they were, they were sort of floundering a bit. They weren't, they weren't, you know, they, they certainly had some great matches during the, the period, but they were, they were intentionally being held back a little bit there. That was all on purpose and by design. And then, you know, part of the reason for that is so that they can do what they did with them now. And, you know, and we could have, we could have anticipated potentially that they would have a resurgence, but it wasn't during the period. I, I we got a message on Twitter. I think someone asking, and and once I explained, this person was very understanding. But like, how do you not have the world champion Randy Orton higher than number thirty nine on the PWI five hundred? Well, it's because Randy <laughs> Orton was not in the main event until well after the evaluation period yeah. was over. He hadn't started that feud with Drew McIntyre. He hadn't started you know, attacking legends again, he was really lost in the shuffle. And similarly, that's the young bucks. But so viewing it in that light for them to be at number 11 is pretty, pretty impressive because they didn't have a tag team championship. They were losing a lot of matches. They were maybe more focused on running AEW as, as, you know, these executive vice presidents than they were on winning matches, uh, enhancing their craft in the ring 
and and when they were in those matches, they were they were probably a little more focused on getting the attention on other wrestlers. So I mean, still pretty yeah. good to have them at number eleven. But I, you know, I think even eleven's pretty good for them this year. And I I, I would really resent uh, anyone who pushed back against that because not not resent them, but resent the the implication that they deserve to be higher. Because what team are you going to put them over out of that top ten? Right, right, and, and and I think you just sort of touched on it. it it's almost a testament to them being successful in their mission in mm-hmm. 2020 that they are not in the top 10. Ironically, uh, as team players for the company. Right, but FTR is number one, and Page and Omega uh, are, are number two, and Lucha Brothers are in the top 10. Um, you know, in as much as they are the, the ones leading the tag team division, even from an office standpoint, yep. um, they did a terrific job. Look at how well AEW uh, does uh, on this list. And I think... Uh, it's fair to say that they'd be the front runners to top this list next year. You know, uh, uh, I look at this list. I mean, I suppose FTR could be in the mix. Page and Omega already broken up, as you touched on. Golden role models um, also. Um, uh, you know, it'd be tough for, for the North. To, it's possible, but for an impact team to make it to number one. We've also lost uh, some momentum, so. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, when I look at this list and I think who's the most likely to be number one next year, I'd go to the Young Bucks. Let's see. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Harry, how about you? They're also a really polarizing team. I, mean, I think that my old co-host, uh, uh, Dan Murphy, uh, he, he probably would have been fighting to, uh, to keep um, him off this list altogether. <laughs> that, that's right. I remember him venting uh, way back to the early days of the X Division. Yeah. So, yes, he hated those Ultimate X matches. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I was sorry to see FTR's title reign come to an end so early. Um, yeah. But it was starting to look silly for the young bucks, not to be the champions of the company they helped build. It was starting to look a little artificial as far as them being yeah. delayed and not eventually winning the title. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there's a the top 10, actually top 11, um, pick up the issue to, to, uh, check out everybody else. But, but, you know, again, you touched on it. You're not going to find a Seth Rollins and, and a Murphy here. And you're actually not going to find, some other really notable teams. I remember when we were putting this together, Kevin, I mean, it, it pained us to leave uh, some teams on, but with 50, uh, just 50 slots. And beyond that, you know, it, it did mean something to us to, to shed uh, cast a spotlight on some teams that um, had a, a terrific year, but, but a lot of fans wouldn't know about it. So anybody uh, 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 jump out to you from this list, somebody you'd want to bring up that, had, that is a team like that, maybe a team that a lot of fans haven't heard of. So, I mean, this would only be the case in the U.S., but if you look at number 14, Nueva Generacion Dinamita, um, that's the the top trio from CMLL. And, you know, we consider them, for the purposes of this list, we, we were a little flexible, and teams like the New Day um, and some other groups here were, were given the benefit of this faction is also, you know, their tag team competitors. Um, that's a team who, you know, they're on, they rank on the 500 list, but the 500 list is not, again, it's not a tag team ranking. So they do okay on there unless they manage to capture some singles goal. But the truth is they're really fixtures of the, of the programming there. And these, these trios are so important. So, I mean, you look at that, you have them in, in representing Mexico and then there's actually, I think it's pretty cool that there's a lot of representation from stardom on this list because stardom has been excellent in terms of presenting tag teams, presenting trios. Um, 
you know, they're starting to get a little more coverage in PWI and uh, haven't always, but their, their stock is rising. They're owned by Bushi Road, who owns New Japan. So I think that helps a lot. Um, to me, it was cool to just in general see this international representation on the list. And I think Jason McVeigh, who's one of our contributing writers, um, he said it was four continents. I think he said 11 countries on this list, which wow. for 50, 50 teams, that, that's, that's really pretty good. And we weren't deliberately trying to say let's get as many countries as possible but we tried to look around the world and and see which teams deserve to make the cut and you know it's 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 just cool to see how much great tag team wrestling there is out there yeah did i say cool enough i think i said it <laughs> I'll, I'll add one cool which is cool. Just, um cool. one thing that i think is really cool is um and and this was also a, a conscious decision our part is to feature teams as much as possible by their team name right so um, that's how you'll see them written up is uh, proud and powerful and uh, SEU and golden role models and um, and so on. And, and, and even in some cases where the name isn't that much of the brand, if you had one, we went with it because um, that's sort of the, the, the theme of the issue. So, the artist collective. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So um, uh yeah, this is a lot of fun. I mean, and and uh, as much as I sometimes uh, <laughs> say otherwise, <laughs> this could be very much work sometimes. Some of these assignments. So, uh, but but the 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 newness of this, just uh, having something kind of uncharted waters, um, it was a lot of fun. And 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 you know, we even talked about um, certainly in the top ten, like what that the you know in in the female. 50, the, the women's 100 and the PWI 500, we have that little box with height, weight, years. Even that we broke away from a little bit here. You know, we thought, how, how could we have some fun with this? And we we threw in some some different categories uh, and stuff. So, um, yeah, you definitely want to uh, uh, check this out. I'm really excited about this issue, if you can't tell. Um, Harry, um, before we go to it, why don't you tell me a little bit about your conversation with um, the number one ranked team? What was your in, impression of them? Um, and, uh, are, did, did you sense they were, they were generally honored to be at the top of this list? They were. And as Kevin can uh, attest, they weren't expecting to be number one. Uh, Dax Harwood had, uh, posted a tweet, uh, making a comment that he didn't expect to be number one. Didn't think we would uh, appreciate them as number one. And I think that was suggesting we had some sort of implicit bias, uh, toward their uh, wrestling style. Um, what struck me is how very professional they are, very professional heels, you know, for someone, you know, who ruins tag team appreciation night, they're very professional. I guess like Ray Stevens, you know, he crippled people, but he made his dates. But uh, <laughs> even when I tried to goad them into saying something negative about other tag teams, you know, I said, I, even very lightly, I said, well, I guess this, gives you uh, bragging rights over uh, Adam Page and Kenny Omega. They they didn't even take that bait. They just said, well, we're here to improve pro wrestling. And uh, frankly, we don't really like uh, the style of wrestling right now. And we think our mission is to elevate that, to get away from sort of nonsensical high spots and make it a little more grounded and leave the industry better than the, they found it. Yeah, excellent. Excellent. All right. Uh, thank you guys so much uh, for doing this. It was a lot of fun. Uh, right now, let's hear from the number one ranked team in the inaugural PWI Tag Team 50, Dax Harward and Cash Wheeler, FTR. 
I'm Harry Burkett here with FTR, Cash Wheeler and Dax Harwood. First of all, to both of you, I want to congratulate you on being ranked number one in PWI's very first Tag Team 50 rankings. It's sort of along the same theme as our PWI 500 and the Women's 100, and we thought time was long overdue to have a list exclusively for tag teams. Um, were either of you the least bit surprised that you were number one? Uh, I think maybe uh, this is Dax talking. And of course, you know, I made a little comment. Uh, I think I was a little surprised. Yeah. When we got the news um, only because we're not your uh, typical 2020 tag team. Um, we, uh, we're not the flashiest guys in the world. Uh, we don't have the coolest, uh, wrestling moves in the world. Um, but what we do have is we have synergy between the two of us. We are best friends. Um, we traveled together. We, we, for years, we roomed together. Um, and we have a common goal, a common mindset between the two of us and between the two of us, um, you know, money is great and we love money, but, uh, leaving a legacy in tag team wrestling and probably a little more importantly, professional wrestling, that's our goal. And uh, neither one of us have any um, selfish motivations, selfish intentions. Um, we both want each other to succeed um, as a unit. So, yeah, I guess um, I, so I guess to answer your question, we were a little surprised. I was a little surprised. Um, but in the same uh, breath, I know we're the best tag team in the world. Yeah, I was going to say uh, we – I was surprised for sure, not that we had any doubt that we're the number one team in the world, but that we finally get the recognition that we feel we deserve because we've been telling everybody that will listen for the past seven years that we are, without a doubt, the best tag team walking the planet. And we've made it kind of a, our thing to be the number ones. We were the first ever two-time NXT tag team champions. We were the first ever Grand Slam tag team champions, the first ever tag team to hold the NXT Raw SmackDown and AEW tag team title. So um, we've kind of made it a habit to be the first ever number one. And now we're the first ever number one PWI 50 tag team. It's easy to say that defeating Kenny Omega and Hangman Page for the AEW world tag team title has been your biggest achievement so far there. Um, now, incidentally, Omega and Page were ranked number two. So that gives you some bragging rights in the dressing room there. Um, but what else would you put in your top two or three moments in AEW so far? Um, not to not to uh, dispel what you said or downgrade what you said, but I think uh, myself and Cash defeating Hangman and uh, Kenny Omega was not only the highlight of our AEW career so far, I think it's the highlight of our uh, career period. Um, only because everywhere we've gone, we have, and I say this from the uh, most humble part of the uh, inside of my body that I can come from, um, everywhere we've gone, we've won championships. We've won tag team of the year. We've won match of the year. Um, and we, we left all that behind just because we wanted to achieve more. We achieved the ultimate goal of being the AEW World Tag Team Champions, and that's something you can't erase. Uh, and just like Cash said earlier, we are the first ever WWE Raw, WWE SmackDown, WWE NXT, and AEW World Tag Team Champions. And replicating that is going to be very, very hard. Um, so, you know, that is a, a highlight in AEW and maybe the, the top highlight um, in AEW. But another highlight for us is uh, getting together with Tolly Blanchard. 
um, that's another highlight for us. Obviously, there's comparisons between us and Arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard, and they're not going to go anywhere. They're a huge influence on us. But to be able to sit and learn from him and listen to him um, is a huge highlight for us. Um, and I think the ultimate highlight is to come. I think that um, FTR has just scratched the surface in AEW. FTR has just scratched the surface, honestly, in tag team wrestling. And I think the ultimate highlight, the ultimate, um, you know, uh, the ultimate bragging right is to come. Uh, the match that everyone's waiting for, uh, the Young Bucks, um, that's going to be the match. That's going to be the match where we can cement our legacy as the greatest tag team of a generation, and that's our plan. To his, to his point, I think the, the win over Hangman and Omega was the most vindicating for us because this was the culmination of a couple of years of frustration, a couple of years of us doing what we could to overcome a lot of situations that, you know, just nobody's fault. It just, it wasn't gelling. It wasn't working out. And we, we took the biggest risk you can take in the year 2020 and in wrestling in general. And we, we left the comfort of the biggest wrestling company in the world. And we jumped to this new hot like wrestling company that's achieving things that no other company's achieved in a very long time, but it's still unknown. And it was scary for us. Because, I mean, that's walking away from everything we'd ever thought we wanted to something brand new. But it's worked out so well for us, and we're so happy that we did. And we have zero regrets. And the win over Hangman and Omega, I think, really cemented that for us. Now, you're looking forward to matches against the Young Bucks. And that's quite a contrast in styles and also philosophy uh, where you're more grounded workers you can do high flying but young bucks they're known as very dynamic high spot artists do you see that as a challenge or do you think you'll complement each other um i think that since we've arrived in aew that's been the challenge for us i think that since we've arrived in aew that has been the challenge for us uh, a contrast of styles I don't think there's anyone here in AEW that wrestles like I don't think there's anyone around the world. Um, and I'm, I'm that, that encompasses AEW, that encompasses WWE, New Japan, um, and independent wrestling. There's no one around the world that wrestles like us. And again, that comes from a humble part of my body. But um, we come here and we had to work with guys like uh, uh, guys like uh, the Lucha Bros. And we had a very memorable match with them. We had to work with. Uh, uh, Jungle Boy and uh, Luchasaurus, and we had a knockdown, drag-out match with those guys. And then, you know, you, you, on the other side of the coin, we had um, Butcher and Blade, who that, – that's another highlight for another us. another highlight uh, because we, um, we came in. It was our debut match with AEW, but Butcher and Blade, were they were a team that was kind of lost. They got to work with us, and we, or we got to work with them, and the people saw a whole different side of them, and now they care about them. Um, and that's what it ultimately comes down to is is caring about them. Uh, the Young Bucks, I think that, you know, the style that they bring, the style that we bring is going to make for an incredible uh, kick-ass tag team wrestling match. Um, and it's going to be one for the ages. And uh, I look forward to bringing it to the fans. Yeah, Cash, it's, it's a pride thing yeah. for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, a, it's a pride thing for us at this point because for the longest time it's been between – FTR and the Young Bucks, everybody says that we're the two greatest tag teams in the world today. And it's very divisive, I feel like. There's people that take their side, and there's people that take our side, and there's not a whole lot of in-between. 
and we have something to prove. Every time we go out there, we feel like we have something to prove. And now, like, we are the AEW Tag Team Champions. We are the PWI ranked number one tag team in the world. And so we have even more to prove, I feel like. We we have something, not just for ourselves, but for tag team wrestling in general, to prove that it is an entity that draws money. It is something that can main event pay-per-views. It is something that can change the sport. And these guys, man, they've been all over the world. And they've done things in Japan. They've done things in Ring of Honor. They've done things with AEW that have helped carry tag team wrestling. And now we want that legacy for ourselves. We want to be the guys that, that bear the torch for tag team wrestling. We want to be the guys that when people look back in 15 years, they say, man, FTR, those two guys, they put tag team wrestling back on the map. Well, looking back at some of your more notable moments in AEW, I've got to mention tag team appreciation night uh, where you attack the rock and roll express and uh, Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard were on hand. Now it's hard to characterize a, a heinous attack as a special moment or a highlight, but uh, what kind of energy did you feel in the ring and in the building that night? Uh, I knew going into it, it was something special. Uh, and you're right. That, that may be aside from the AEW world tag team uh, championship match we had with hangman and, uh, and Kenny Omega, that may be the highlight of our AEW career. We turned a corner right there. Um, and we attacked the rock and roll express. Um, and no one saw it coming. No one called that. And, uh, we got to do it, uh, side by side with, um, two of the other greatest tag teams ever. And that is the young bucks and that's Arn and Tully. Um, and to have all four of us in the ring at one moment, um, I don't want to say that was special. Uh, it was special to me, but I don't want to, I would never uh, be so egotistical to say that it was a special moment in professional wrestling and tag team wrestling, but it was very, very special to me. Um, you know, I had tears in my eyes afterwards because I got to stand alongside some of the greatest tag teams in the world. And then I got to stand alongside what may go down eventually as our greatest rival ever. Um, and it all, it was all in the name of tag team wrestling. And that was special to me. It was a huge turning point for us, like in our AEW careers, like Dax was saying, because that was the moment we turned a corner and we, were, we weren't just guys that were there to have good matches anymore. We, we got to show the, the vicious side of us, to show the side of us that we have done for so long. And that's to find somebody's weaknesses and exploit that for our advantage. And, you know, if you look at it, the comparisons between ourselves and the Young Bucks are very similar to the comparisons between Arn and Tolly and Rock and Roll Express. You had Arn and Tolly, who were regarded as the greatest technical tag team in history. Then you have Rock and Roll Express, who are two of these babyface guys that are some of the most exciting wrestlers in the world. And we wanted that visual between the contrast of styles between those two teams and the contrast of styles between ourselves and the Young Bucks. And the way it unfolded that night, the way that everything clicked, the way that everything just worked out, oh, man, definitely one of my favorite moments in my career. And, and both of you have mentioned Tully Blanchard so far. And Dax, I think you mentioned that he's been sharing some knowledge with you. What would you say is the best advice he's given you? Um, you know, I've been wrestling for 16 years now um, for a very, very long time. And, uh, you know, there comes a time where, um, you start, you never, you never stop learning things. 
But there comes a time when your, your own ego catches up to you and you think you've got this thing down pat. And then you talk to someone like Tully Blanchard and you realize you ain't got it down pat. Um, and that, and that's kind of what happened with me. Um, you know, he drops a lot of tag team knowledge on us and like, um, telling us things like, uh, tag in quick, uh, tag in first, uh, show everybody that you're, you know, you are a unit more than the other team across the ring. But I've told this story before and I, and I'll tell it again before the, uh, the gauntlet match we had with, um, uh, the best friends, young bucks, and I think Dustin and QT, uh, we were the last team to go out because we were ranked number one. And uh, <laughs> the interviewer asked uh, myself, Cash, and Tolly. he asked, you know, do you have an advantage being last? And my initial thought was to exploit that and say, and, and be this like cocky heel and say, yeah, of course we have an advantage and we're going to use that advantage to our advantage. Tolly took it and he spun it a completely different way. And I sat there right beside him and just looked at him in amazement. And he said, you know, maybe some guys, I'm paraphrasing, of course, but he said, maybe some guys think that there is an advantage. He said, but, uh, you know, in a match, it maybe will take eight or 10 minutes for you to get your juices going, to get your body warmed up. He said, we're coming in there cold. These guys that we are coming to face, they're already warmed up and they're ready to go. So maybe we're at a disadvantage. And just that little bit of uh, knowledge he dropped on the uh, on the fans, he let them know one how um, how the, uh, the 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 gauntlet works, how it actually you know how the gimmick of a gauntlet actually works. But he also gave the guys some credibility. So if and when we did beat them, we beat a credible team. And I and I could not believe that little bit of knowledge he inadvertently dropped on us. Yeah, as Dax was saying, like. You know, we didn't know he was going to say that. Most of what we do, the three of us, we only have a few bullet points and we just kind of play off that. And if somebody says something that works for us, we'll we'll roll with it. But we had no idea Tolly was going to say that because we hadn't even thought of it. And when he said that, like Dak said, we were just like, we're, we're the camera's still rolling and we're both just blown away by his his way of spinning that and making you realize that, while, while yes, theoretically there is an advantage to coming in fresh, there also is a disadvantage to it. And so obviously it's no secret that we pride ourselves on being students of the game. Like we, we pride ourselves on always learning, but I guess without even realizing it, you can, you can get stuck with one way of looking at things or thinking of things. And totally has brought this to us now where we look at all sides of the coin. We don't, we don't just look at it from one perspective anymore. We look, we find ways that we can utilize things to our advantage or to our disadvantage. And that's probably the most, I guess the biggest piece of advice he's brought to us is to just always look at things from more than one point of view. It sounds like he'd make an excellent color commentator too. (laughs) He could do anything. Excellent. Everything. Now this begs the question, you know, the rumors are out there about uh, a revival, so to speak of the four (laughs) horsemen and Arn Anderson has given interviews and obviously you're mentioned first and foremost, but he's also mentioned people like a Cody and Brody Lee. Um, what, what do you think of the idea in general? Would that be uh, a step forward for you? I think the idea is very flattering, like to be mentioned in the same breath as the four horsemen and any sort of revival of that. Um, that's extremely flattering. It's the, probably the, one of the best compliments we'll ever get but I don't think there's ever going to be a way to, to copy that. 
there's no way to what, what they had everything they did was organic and it was magic and that's why it worked so well because it wasn't forced it wasn't some thing that was thought up in a, a creative room with a bunch of guys who had no wrestling experience and just a couple of uh college degrees it was something that it was four guys and plus jj that all had something special separate and it worked well together and totally has given us like the the details of how it first started and i'll you know i'll let him tell that story someday but just seeing how how little the the plan was going in and what it became is unreal so i don't think we'll ever truly be able to to copy that or to do it justice, but it is very flattering. Yeah. And like, uh, I think that as a team and as a unit and what we want to accomplish in professional wrestling, it'd be a huge disservice to, to us both. Um, you know, there's been a blessing, you know, people have asked Ric Flair and they brought up our names and he's get, he's given his blessing. Obviously Arn's given his blessing and Tully as well. Um, and it doesn't matter if we were if we were better talkers than these guys, if we were better wrestlers, than it doesn't matter if we are better wrestlers or talkers or if we got better bodies than them or whatever, you know, it doesn't matter because that was a once in a lifetime group. Um, that was a once in a lifetime moment that uh, can never be replicated. And uh, if you try to replicate it, uh, you know, you're going to you're going to go backwards. And uh, that's one thing that me and Cash don't want to do. That's why we left our former employer because we don't want to go backwards. We always want to go forward and we want to take professional wrestling forward with us. Um, however, the blueprint of the four horsemen is a goal, uh, and a theme that we could absolutely run with. And there are a ton of guys and there are a ton of talent. And, you know, the, the wrestling fans love to, um, book their own fantasy, um, fantasy group. And that could be something that, uh, would be very, very intriguing. And we could, uh, I think we could turn we could turn AEW's corner um, and make them maybe the top wrestling company in the world uh, by having a group of uh, a group of individuals who work as one work as one unit uh, and that is for a common goal of being the absolute best in the world uh, and just that blueprint could uh, you know <laughs> I'll say it that blueprint could change professional wrestling. Yeah. And before we move on to another topic, I've got to know whose idea was it to wear the Anderson brothers boots? <laughs> uh, um, remember. So I had a pair made probably f- four years ago, I guess, just because I loved the design and I like me and Dax were bouncing ideas off of each other for new boots. Cause he had a pair of boots that were like, dr death inspired and i loved them but i didn't want to like steal his idea so i decided i'd steal them from the andersons instead and Are you he was like, dude he, yeah he was like oh you should get, you should get these but it was the maroon and yellow and i wanted to do more of like the so the first pair i had made was like a, a flat black with gold and yellow soles and from there i was just like man these are the best boots i've ever owned i like the way they look and it was just kind of rolled with it it seems like we're continuing a theme here. You know, Dusty Rhodes was instrumental at the early years of your career. Um, what would you say was his biggest contribution to your careers? Um, you know, I, I think sometimes there are a section of the fans that uh, <laughs> that will look at us and listen to us. And maybe not even listen to us, just look at us. Two five foot ten guys from North Carolina and say, 
oh my gosh, they're just great wrestlers, but they've never really given us the opportunity to speak and to talk and cut a promo. Um, but I think the thing Dusty taught us the most was, um, was the promo ability. He said, you know, you never want to go in there and you never want to, no disrespect to Hulk Hogan because he made it work for himself, but you never want to be the screaming, hey brother promo. Um, just because that's what everyone um, uh, associates professional wrestling promos with. He said, you want to be conversational. You want to get on the level of the, the fans, whether you're, you know, whether you're a good guy or a bad guy, you want to get on their level and speak to them. Um, and so I think that uh, our, our promos, uh, and like I said, being conversational with our promos, instead of talking at you we're talking with you and speaking with you that that's kind of the biggest takeaway i had from him, from him as far as our career goes yeah um so dusty from the moment he saw us together for the first time we we did a promo class that you know we weren't scheduled to go as a team but it was kind of laid back and you could you could try different ideas and they would see what worked and what didn't and so it was my first ever promo class at the performance center I, i'd been there a week maybe and me and Dax went together and from that moment forward Dusty insisted that we shadow each other that we stayed next to each other that we did promos together every week and you know there's a lot of stuff that went on behind closed doors there that we weren't really privy to but we know that not everybody was sold on us being a team from the get-go we know not everybody was really uh gung-ho for it but Dusty was one of our biggest proponents one of our biggest supporters and he fought for us like nobody else did at that time and that's one of the biggest influences I think he had in our career was making sure that we were able to to be a tag team when not everybody saw that in us and he he fought for it and he he did everything he could behind closed doors and with us as individuals to make sure that 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 became a reality for us yeah I believe uh, at one point one of you said that up till now, NXT was your true legacy. Um, of course, that's two NXT tag team titles, um, the big feud with a uh, DIY. Um, h- how would you describe what you feel was your lasting influence there? Um, you know, and, and really quick to, to to circle back what you just said, uh, that was the thing that scared us the most in WWE. We didn't want NXT to be our legacy. As proud as we as we were. We didn't want that to be the end of our legacy. I mean, you know, if it was, we could go down and say, okay, well, we became tag team of the year. We were the first ever two-time NXT tag team champions. We won WWE match of the year. And that's all great. But we did not want that to be the finish of our legacy. Um, As far as, like, to to answer your question, um, I think that uh, we we took a company. You know, NXT is always going to be part of the WWE. We took a company that hadn't, focused tag team wrestling in the better part of 10 or 13 years up to that point. And we made tag team wrestling a focus. Um, If you look at tag team wrestling, uh, at least on the the mainstream WWE uh, before 2016, it was a completely different product than what it was. And I'm patting myself on the back, ourselves on the back, but, um, but it was a completely different formula and a completely different product than after 2016 when we came along. Uh, I've said this before and I'll say it again, but in tag team matches in WWE, you had two guys, they would tag in and out, they would do their individual moves, um, and that's kind of how they 
they worked together. Uh, myself and Cash, like I stated earlier, we had a conversation before our before our first tag team match we had in NXT, and we said, uh, we said we're never going to outshine each other. We're never going to be selfish. We're never going to be insecure. We're always going to make sure because we are friends and we we're, we're best friends now. But we were we were friends then, but we wanted to make sure that we were the best working unit the company had ever seen. Um, and I think our lasting impression uh, will be that we made tag team wrestling mean something in the company again, but also we changed the, uh, the philosophy and the psychology of tag team wrestling and brought it back to what it should be. Yeah. I'm, I'm very proud of what we were able to accomplish in NXT, obviously. I mean, from, if you look at the year 2015, we, weren't really doing a whole lot. We were starting to get a little hot down there, but it was under the radar. And then, you know, from 2016 on, we, we were this team that nobody had any real plans for. And then all of a sudden 2016, I think we had maybe eight of the top 25 matches in the company for that year, including including the number one match of the year. So, I mean, for, for two guys that came in with, little to no fanfare and nobody had we won't we didn't have the rocket strapped to us at all we weren't coming in and winning titles right away we we put in the work and we we just kept our noses down and we did what we had to do and we we made sure that no other team was working harder than us and we made no we made sure that no other team was gonna outwork us any night and i think that was what made it so successful for us so i mean i'm I'm proud of the legacy we left there, but like Dak said, that should have just been the foundation. We didn't want that to be the culmination. We wanted NXT to be our foundation for our career and to go on and do bigger and better things and, you know, just make tag team wrestling special. And although that didn't exactly happen, I'm very happy with how things went overall. But obviously in WWE, you still had great accomplishments there, multiple world tag team titles. Uh, shined on the biggest stage of all and all that. But I I can imagine how frustrating it was where you've reached the pinnacle, but you feel like if you stay longer, then it'll be damaging to your career. career. It's sort of like a a career vice that you're in. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to to stop you from talking, but I was just agreeing Mm -hmm. with you on that. Uh, But you're you're exactly right. And, 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 you know, I don't want anyone to, to think, listen to this or read this or whatever and think that we have any ill will towards WWE because that's not the case at all. We had some incredible times. There some incredible moments. Think about it. You know, we were on the pre-show, but we were still in front of 80,000 people and we were the first team to have a tag team title defense in a straight tag team match at WrestleMania. Very proud of that. Um, also, we had a, a three-way, I believe it was, Cash, you may no better. I think it was a three-way at fast lane. Um, us against yes. Bobby Roode and Chad Gable against uh, Ricochet and Aleister Black. And that was the first time the tag team championships had been defended on pay-per-view in many, many, many months. Yeah, not um, on the pre-show, but on the actual main card. The Almost actual, a year. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we, we had chances to shine in a great uh, feud with the new day uh, side by side with Randy Orton. Um, we had some sleeper matches as well. Like one of my favorites is with Dolph and drew McIntyre. Um, so there were a lot of things that we're, we are proud of and we should be proud of from our WWE tenure. Um, it just, uh, there were a lot of things that were, you know, embarrassing or, you know, 
come off, could come off as embarrassing as well. That may have offset it. And you're exactly right. If we would have stayed there, um, the money would have been astronomical. Uh, it would have been incredible. Um, but after it was all said and done, uh, we made the absolute right decision for our career, for our lives uh, and for our families. Yeah. Complacency is, it's the enemy of success. And we didn't want to stay there and just be complacent because like you said, it is the pinnacle and it has been regarded as such for as long as I've been alive. Like there's never been a company, even when WCW was at its peak, that was regarded for its, just its history as WWE. And most people would be happy to just say they were there. And while we were happy to be there, we weren't just happy to be there and not contributing the way we wanted to contribute. And we know that not everybody's going to get that chance. There's not enough TV time. There's not enough creative. And it's just, that's the way the cards fall, but we're not, we're not okay with just doing okay. We want to be doing great things. And so we knew that if that was, if that's what it was going to be, we had to go because we're more concerned about our legacy and leaving wrestling better than we found it. than we are about just seeing how much money we can accumulate in our bank accounts. Yeah. And, and really quick, I, I don't mean to, you know, take up too much time, oh, sure. but um, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of fans, we got a lot of, you know, stuff online that said we were complaining and crying and whining. We, we never ever said a word about it online, uh, but they just assumed that. Um, but you can ask any of our coworkers, um, any of the guys that we worked with, uh, never once did we phone it in, never once did we complain, never once did we cry. And if that were the case, uh, WWE would not have booked us in almost 160 matches in the year of 2000, 2019. No other tag team, no other individual worked the schedule that we worked that year. And I say that with pride and, and I'm, like right now I'm, I'm, uh, shining with pride because even though we weren't in the the main spots on television, they knew that no one would outwork us and they knew we would deliver every night. So they, so they booked us in 100, almost 160 matches in two, just 2019 alone. Um, and that's something that I'm proud of, but also that's why we wanted more because we knew they, they knew what they had in us and we wanted to give it, give it to them in the name of professional wrestling. So now you're both in AEW. Uh, I'd like each of your opinions on what you think the state of wrestling is or tag team wrestling in the year 2020. Is it on the upswing? Can you make any comparisons to the boom period back in the 80s, which I'm sure you've looked back on? Uh, what do you think? I think it's absolutely on the upswing. I mean, just look at AEW's tag team roster alone, and you have so many. And I don't, I don't know, you know, obviously the rest of the rankings right now, but I'd be willing to bet that out of the top 15 of your top 50 tag teams that we have at least half of that. And then you got new Japan, you got WWE, you have ring of honor, you have MLW, you have NWA. There's so many places right now to work. And there's so many places for tag teams to, to cultivate how, how they apply their craft and so many places to do it. And man, like hopefully, you know, we can have a hand in, helping that upswing we want to come in here and we want to work with all these different tag teams and elevate them if we can and help change wrestling psychology a little bit because obviously we don't love the style that everybody does now and if we can come in here and we can work with guys like lucha brothers and jungle uh, lucha express like or jungle express like dax was saying 
Jurassic. Jurassic, sorry. <laughs> but if we can work with these guys and stay true to ourselves and stay true to themselves also, but if we all come out learning something from that, then man, like the potential for tag team wrestling in 2020 and beyond is unreal. And we're reaching the end here. I have like two or three minutes left. Um, Take your time, brother. Right. So the final question, I suppose, would be legacy is important to you. And you've sort of answered this throughout. But what do you want your legacy to be in AEW and beyond? Oh, man. Uh, Wow. Um, You know, right now, kind of what we've, we've hit on earlier, we're not everyone's cup of coffee and that's okay that's okay uh you're not gonna you're not gonna win every single fan over um because at one point uh we've we've you know we've used him a lot tonight uh at one point arn anderson wasn't everyone's cup of coffee uh at one point brett hart wasn't everyone's cup of coffee you know um and now people look back on those guys and they say holy cow that, that was the best time of our lives that was the that was the golden era of wrestling. Look at look at Arn Anderson. He is he is having incredible matches with everyone. Uh, look at Bret Hart. He everyone he stepped in the ring with, he made better. Um, and I would love that to be our legacy. I mean, um, as much as I'd like to say we 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 would, you know, I want us to hold every tag team title uh, more than anybody. Uh, as much as I want to say we want to win PWI's tag team of the year every single year, um, and that all would be great. I would rather in 15 years, people look back, people who aren't our fans right now, people who don't believe in us right now. I would love for them to look back in 15 years and say, man, FTR, the revival, Dax and Cash, Dawson and Dash. Those were the guys, everyone they were in the ring with, they elevated everyone that they were in the ring with. They brought out the best in them. They made them look good. And they, uh, they, elevated the stock of tag team wrestling. That's what I want our legacy to be. Yeah. I I would love for our legacy to be that we were the best team that's ever done this. And, you know, to his point, not everybody's going to love us and that's okay. Like I don't have to be considered by every fan, half of the greatest tag team on the planet. It's just unrealistic to think that, but if our peers think that of us, and if we were if we were able to help some people out along the way and get them to another level and help them become even more successful than they are already, if we can just do something great for tag team wrestling and everybody that's gonna be here long after we're gone, then man, that's that's enough legacy for me. Yeah, and, and to pick, piggyback off of that, there's a reason why Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard. Rick Flair, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Bret Hart, Dennis Condry, Bobby Eaton, Ricky Morton, uh, and the list goes on and on. Mick Foley. There's a reason why all those guys have said we're the best tag team in the world. And there's a reason why guys like Roman Reigns, Matt Hardy, um, uh, Randy Orton, um, Bray Wyatt have all went straight to Vince McMahon and said we want to work with those guys. And it's not because we're subpar. It's because they know – that we can make them look like a million bucks and we can have incredible matches with them and we will push them every single night. Um, and and uh, just like Cash said, that's enough of a legacy for me. 